we've had a great weekend, a really great weekend. It's good to be here. We've been talking about family, and I accidentally told the guys back there to delete the pictures of my family because I showed them on Friday night. So I'll just tell you a little bit about me and my family. Um, we live in Texas, just outside Austin. We have three children, 11, 9, and 5 and they're just amazing. I love them. We have one cow, a milk cow. We have a horse. We have a bunch of chickens. Once a year, we, we get a whole bunch more chickens. And then the rest of the year, we have a really good meal. <laughs> Meals. <clears throat> and, oh, you didn't delete them. There's my family and one of our chickens right there my wife is um yeah it's trying to fly we clip their wings so they can't fly too too well because then they get in our garden and eat all our food but my wife she kind of manages all of that she it's her dream to homestead and grow all her own food and we have we have a a dream that seems more important now than ever to be totally dependent on the earth and God's creatures rather than on a system that's not his kingdom. So we, grow, we try to grow as much of our own food as we possibly can. We, we've wanted, we want to become the grocery store. <clears throat> you know, when Texas froze last couple of year, year and a half ago, Texas just froze up. Snow came, ice came, everything froze. I had friends that couldn't get to the grocery store, and by the time they got to the grocery store, they realized the trucks didn't get to the grocery store, and they were empty, and everybody's like, what do we do? And we were like, well, we're fine. We can help you. We got plenty of food. We can help you. We got plenty of water. We can help you. And I think it'd be wise for the church. We're not talking about this today. I just think it would be wise for the church to start thinking like that a little bit more than we do. So my wife manages all of that. She also sells a whole bunch of uh, products that are really, really clean. Most of the products that we use, whether it's for our teeth, whether it's for our hair, whether it's for our skin, are filled with all kinds of crazy toxins. And she's had some health is issues. And so we go after health in every way possible, whether it's the food we eat, the water we drink, the products we use, and the ministry that we have as well. We just go for it in every single way. So... She, she has all these products. I don't have her website up or anything, but she sells really great stuff, and our kids help run the business. So they ship stuff out, pack it up, and all that. So that's my family. Um, I have been in children's ministry for 20 years. I got radically saved in 2001, just after September 11th. I saw that on the news and got really afraid, and God woke me up and uh, turned me back to him. At that point, I was addicted to coke, meth, ecstasy, acid, mushrooms, marijuana, cigarettes, and porn. And in a moment, I was totally delivered from all of it. And I told God, come on. It's my favorite story. It's a short version. I told God I would help kids not go down the path I went down. And I just, ever since then, have been helping kids and working with kids. And so 20 years now, it's been me working with children. I've worked in, with children in New York City. Worked with children in Redding, California at a church called Bethel. I was a children's pastor and director there for 10 years. And then God started to tell me, 
You know, if what happens in the church doesn't happen in the home, it's not Christianity. If what happens in the church doesn't leave the church, it's not what I intended. If what happens in church doesn't get out of the church, the danger is you just created religion. Event-based religion, something we do, not someone we are. Christianity is not what we do. We don't turn it off and on based on where we're at, based on what's happening. We, we just are. It's who we are. And so I, I started moving my attention away from just children in the church to families and parents. And so that's what I do. I have a little thing. I've been moving away from social media as well. I'm trying to get away from it. I don't, I don't think it's fully healthy for humans. I don't think we were ever designed to have the, as many interactions as we have and as, have our eyes stuck to a screen all day. So obviously because we have a, a farm and we homestead, we care about like kids outside and in nature and stuff like that. But so I'm trying to move away from social media, but I have this network called Spirit-Led Families. Can you guys show those two pictures? It's basically like an app, but it's not like a Facebook. But I post on there. I, I, I teach on there. I have online courses. I have a Spirit-Led Kids Academy where kids can go and, and just learn. They get videos every week. They can ask questions. I answer their questions. I interact with them, then I, and I do workshops for them. Then I have a Spirit-Led Parents Academy where I do workshops for parents and Q&A for parents and all kinds of stuff. I have all sorts of courses on there, which are really fun. Can you go to the next picture real fast? So there's the QR code. You can download it. It's on Mighty Networks. So it's basically like a Facebook, but I pay for it because I'd rather pay money than what Facebook is charging us. You know, if, if they give it to you free, they're probably charging you something that's not money. And there's some things that are more valuable than money. I took a little bit of time this morning to refresh myself with what's been happening here in Loudoun County. And I just want to tell you, the world is watching and cheering you on. The families here are being cheered on. The parents here are being cheered on by the rest of us. Fully supported by the rest of us. Learning from you, the parents in this area. You know, working with kids, I love children's movies. <clears throat> I love them. And I, I believe God hides messages in those movies for us. You know, a lot of people are so mad at kids' movies because the enemy's agenda's in there. But you do know what Jesus said, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And most of us would just end the verse right there and go, let's, let's pay attention to what the enemy's doing, the devil's doing. Let's look at the enemy's agenda. Let's look at the devil's agenda. But Jesus didn't finish the sentence there. Jesus kept going. And when he revealed the enemy's agenda, he simultaneously revealed his And he said, hey, here's what the thief comes to do, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. You know that verse, right? John 10, 10. You guys here? 
So anytime, so what's interesting to me about that verse is Jesus doesn't tell you what he's doing until after he tells you what the enemy's doing. So sometimes it'd be wise, I think, for us to go into certain situations and look and go, that's what the enemy's doing. Now I'm ready to find out what God's doing. And I think God does that in movies. And I think he does it in movies on purpose because there are millions and millions and millions of children who will never come to church and hear the gospel, ever. They'll never come. So God has to put his message other places besides just the church. We cannot limit God to this building. We cannot limit God here. We cannot assume he only works through the church. He loves the church. He works through the church. We are his bride. He loves it, loves it, loves it. And there's so many people that will never come. So he's got to go other places to communicate to us to communicate to those kids, to reach out to kids. If we can't get them to come into here, he will go into the movie theater and reach out to them. And they'll sit there for an hour and a half and just watch what he's up to. Are you with me? I love movies. I love watching movies. I have a different opinion about movies than a lot of people. I actually believe God puts movies out. God allows movies to come out at certain times to be in the theater or to be fresh on streaming or whatever. I believe he puts movies out at a certain time because that's exactly when the fresh bread of that movie is needed for society. I don't know if you know this, but a movie called Boss Baby 2 came out not that long ago, and it is a word of God for Loudoun County. In Boss Baby 2, there's this school who the agenda of the person in charge of the school is to separate kids and parents. Am I talking to the right crowd here? Am I in the right city? Am I in the right county? In the movie, the movie literally, the whole point of the movie is there is a school and their only agenda is to destroy kids and parents' relationship and separate them from each other and use technology to do it. The logo of the school is a rainbow. Come on, God's trying to talk to us. In the movie, the father and his brother go up into, it's, it's not heaven, it's, it's where babies are made, but it's, it's heaven. <laughs> like if we're going to watch the movie prophetically and look for what God is saying... The dad and the brother drink the formula, get sucked up into heaven, and they see the agenda of the enemy, and they get commissioned to become like children again and invade the very school that's trying to destroy their relationship with their kids. And they invade it, and they dismantle the entire thing, and they break the hypnosis that's on the parents to separate from the families. They literally break the hypnosis. It's in the movie. They break the hypnosis the school has been putting on parents to get them away from their kids. And they break it, and all the parents turn back to their kids. It's Malachi. It's the spirit of Elijah. The hearts of the parents turn back to the kids, and the hearts of the kids turn back to the parents. It is so loud and clear in the movie, and it came out right at the same time all of this was happening. Don't tell me God doesn't put movies out at a certain time with a certain message, and most Christians are too religious to go to a movie and go, what is God trying to say to me? Because we don't just limit him to the church, we limit him to here as well. And I'm not saying anything wrong with this. This is the most important book the world has ever seen. But I don't know if you know this, but Moses didn't have the Bible. And yet his face glowed when he came down off the mountain. I don't see any faces glowing anywhere on earth. 
Wow, I feel very passionate right now. I'm so sorry. Not real. <laughs> you know, did Moses have a good relationship with God? Did Abraham? How about Enoch? Did Enoch have a good relationship? I mean, come on. He didn't even die. All those, none of them had the Bible. None of them. Moses didn't have the Bible. He wrote the Bible. Are you with me? So we can't just limit God. The only reason we have this is because people had the Word of God. The only reason we have this is because God was talking before this. But make sure you don't hear what I'm not saying. I, just, I don't know how many chapters you read this morning, but I read seven chapters in the Bible. I love the Bible. I read the Bible pretty much every day of my life. Except when I'm on a plane to, like, Australia, because you lose a day. <laughs> like, the day just disappears. You leave one day, and you miss a whole day, and you land on a different day. The beautiful thing is you come back, and you land before you left. It's awesome. It's awesome. Like, I just arrived. It's so grace. You, you land before you left. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, <clears throat> Boss Baby 2 is, is, is just loud and clear. It's loud and clear. So I watch those movies, and I go, wow. And then I watch the news of, of what's going on here. I'm like, wow. It's all just happening at the same time. So I feel like what I want to talk to you today about is going to strengthen you and encourage you, maybe challenge you a little bit. One of the things I just did in the Spirit-Led Kids Academy is a whole series on, on what is the gospel. I mean, I'm not done. I'm just going to keep going because I think you could talk about this forever and never run out. But, but I did a bunch of, I did videos on what Jesus did for you, what Jesus did to you, and what Jesus wants to do through you. Do you know most Christians know a little bit about what Jesus did for us, but we have no idea what he did to us? You know that? So you know what happens with us is the same thing that's happening in the world, is we, we struggle, we question, we wrestle with the identity that we were born again with. You know, Romans 125 says there was a group of people that their hearts became darkened and they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. What's so interesting to me, it doesn't say they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. It says they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. What was the lie? Well, what's interesting about the devil when he appears we think, we know he's the liar, he's the father of lies, and so we think he's just going to walk up and just tell us lies. But he doesn't do that with Eve. He asks a question. And he weaves a lie into a question so that he not just tells lies, he questions truth. Are you with me? He does it to Jesus. Hey, if you're the son of God, turn stones into bread. So what's the lie that's weaved into the questions? What's the lie that he weaves in? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? Oh, God knows if you eat from that tree, you'll be like him. 
Problem is, she already was. What's the lie? Do something to become who you already are. Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn stones into bread. Do something to prove who you are. What's he doing? He's questioning identity. I don't know if you know this, there's kind of a lot of people questioning identity right now. In the natural. Right? There's so many people questioning their identity. I've had the most unusual things happen in the last few weeks with me and transgender people and transgender conversations. I've had the most weird stuff happen. And it's messing with me. In a good way. You know, like God likes to mess with you. In a good way, right? Well, we, got, we got so many people questioning their identity. But I also have this belief, not only do I like movies and have strong beliefs about movies, I have strong beliefs about what's happening in the world is usually just a manifestation of what's happening to the body of Christ. You know, there was a season not that long ago where, where the sickness, the main sickness across the world, you know, it used to be carpal tunnel. It's like everyone had carpal tunnel. You remember this? You guys remember that? Everyone had little wrist braces. Everyone was learning to use stand-up desks. Everyone was adjusting their computers so their wrists weren't tweaked out all the time. But it seemed like everyone had carpal tunnel, and then it switched, and everyone had back pain. And now it's switched again. Now everyone has autoimmune diseases. What's an autoimmune disease? It's where the body, the, the, the parts of the body, the systems in the body designed to heal are attacking. They're attacking the other parts of the body. They even attack the food. It's supposed to bring nourishment. It's supposed to bring life. It's supposed to bring strength. And these systems that are supposed to heal the body are actually fighting against the nourishment and fighting against other parts of the body. It's an autoimmune disease. I happen to think that's just a manifestation of what's going on in the body of Christ. What would happen if the body of Christ stopped attacking itself? What would happen if the body who's supposed to heal itself designed to heal itself, started healing itself, not attacking itself. What would happen? What could happen to the world? Are you guys here? I've already had a lot of coffee, so I can just go. Like, I'm ready. Well, what if what's happening in the natural is a manifestation of what's happening in the church? What if the reason so many people are questioning their identity they were born with is because the body of Christ is still questioning the identity we were born again with? I want to show you a couple pictures. Can you put up those other pictures? I think sometimes this this is what we do. I just want to tell you who that is. Does anybody know who that is? I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be honest. I think sometimes it would be wise if we were just intellectually honest about some things. That's Belgium's health minister. She is in charge of the health of her country. I'm, I'm really not trying to be mean. Please don't be offended at me. Please, please don't be offended. Actually, maybe you should be, because if your mind gets offended, maybe it's just trying to reveal something going on in the heart. 
Can you listen to her about health? When she speaks about health, does she have any authority? I don't know if you know this, but I don't, I don't see, I haven't seen anyone talking about diet, exercise, sunshine, nature, movement, when it comes to health for the last two years, except for the people that are censored. The only people truly talking about health when it comes to the natural body. Of course the church is talking about miracles, power, of course. The only people talking about real health are censored. But then you have the health minister teaching about health, leading about health. Is there any, sometimes the church, I think we, we do this. Can you go to the, the next picture? There she is, there you go. Can you go to the next one? That's Los Angeles health minister. You have one that's morbidly obese, and then you have another one that's frail and fragile and looks like she's about to crumble into pieces. This is the health minister of Los Angeles. The health, I don't know, she's not called the minister, health director, health, whatever. She's in charge of the health of Los Angeles. Can you go to the next one? This is the last one, I promise. That's Quebec in Canada, health minister. Okay, you can put those off. I'm totally not talk, trying to talk about the pandemic, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to make us aware. Sometimes the people doing the talking, saying, here's what you need to do to be healthy. Here's how you get healthy. Here's what you're supposed to do. You should be healthy. Here's, sometimes the people that are doing this the most are the most unhealthy people, and they have no authority on their voice. They have no authority to bring any change. They have no authority to speak and have their words actually do something. And I think it would be wise for the church if we just made sure we had some authority when we talk. And if we're over here going, you shouldn't question your identity. Don't question your, your identity. You were born a certain way. You were, you, were, uh, you were assigned something at birth. Just accept it. Just believe it. I think if the church is, is going to go like this and have any authority come out of their mouth to help and to bring health and to bring life and to bring change, if we're supposed to have any authority on our voice, we better make sure we're not, we're not questioning what we were assigned at our new birth. Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You know, the serpent used wisdom against humans. He asked questions. And then Jesus goes, Be wise as a serpent. See, the devil loves questions because the devil uses questions to destroy. Well, Jesus uses questions to destroy. I don't know if you know this, but most of the time when Jesus is interacting with religious people who are convinced that they are right and they have the only way, when Jesus is addressing and talking to religious people, he uses questions because the devil uses questions to destroy and Jesus uses questions to destroy. The devil uses questions to destroy the truth and destroy identity. Jesus uses questions to destroy the lie and destroy every other identity that God didn't give us. But Jesus is so wise. Think about this. You got, those, you got the time where he heals the guy 
with the withered arm on the Sabbath. And, and the religious are so mad. I mean, they are furious. This guy is healing on the Sabbath. So you know what Jesus does? He asks them a question. He's so smart. He's so wise. He's innocent, but he's so wise. I mean, this, this verse messes with me. It really messes with me. Because you know what it means? is Sometimes the wisdom of God will actually come to you in a way that most people will think it's demonic. Not most people. The religious will think it's demonic. You do realize when Jesus came in the virgin, in Mary, he, it looked like she had sinned. Even to her own fiancé. God chose to send Jesus to earth in a way that if you were religious, you would think it was adultery. And because you think it's adultery, you would actually stone Mary to death and the baby inside her. God actually had to hide from the religious leaders what he was doing so they wouldn't kill what he was doing because they would mistake what he was doing as if it was sin. And Jesus goes, hey, be wise as serpents. Maybe sometimes God's wisdom actually looks like something that's not good. But if there's innocence attached. See, it's not the tactic that you use. It's the motive. It's the spirit behind it. The devil, the, the serpent will use questions to, to destroy us because the spirit motivating is, is destruction. And then Jesus will use questions and go, be wise like a serpent, but have innocence be what drives it. So they, they're, they're mad at Jesus. They're so mad. Like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. What are you doing? These guys are so mad. He's healing on the Sabbath day. I mean, at one point they said, they told all the people, they're so mad in one of these accounts. There's, there's different accounts of this. He, heal on, he liked to heal on the Sabbath just because he wanted people to make sure they understood that healing wasn't something you could work for. And they got so mad at one point, the Pharisees are like, come back on a day you can work and get healed. Why? Because according to them, you had to work for your healing. And then Jesus heals on the Sabbath just to break that down and dismantle it. And they get so mad that he goes, let me ask you a question. If your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, don't you rush and lift it out? Then he, go, then he asks another question. He's so wise. He just asks another question. Aren't people more valuable than sheep? And they, they're silent. They can't talk. Why? There's authority on that voice. They can't, they can't even speak. They have to sneak off and plan to kill him. Because they can't talk. Whoa. I just want to make sure that when we speak, we have authority. I just want to make sure when people go up against the school that they, they do, they, they're wise as serpents and innocent as doves, and the people who are real loud go real quiet. I mean, just keep in mind, everyone's cheering, everyone's cheering, everyone's celebrating, everyone's fully supporting you guys. Let 
me just read this one other part to you. So Jesus heals this woman on the Sabbath. He laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight, glorified God. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. I mean, he just stands up right in the middle of the church service, and, he's, and he starts yelling. There are six days on which men ought to work. Come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite. Does not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? He's asking questions. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. When someone who has who is innocent as a dove is also wise as a serpent and uses questions to dismantle lies, uses questions to, to go up against people who are attacking him, here's what happens. Here's the result of using questions wisely with innocence as their driver. All his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You know, the right question at the right time will shut the enemy's mouth and make everybody else happy. That's what we need. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some verses and ask you some questions because I really think as the body of Christ, we, we need to get into this place real fast where, where we're no longer questioning what Jesus did to us. First John 4:17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, this is an important verse. This is a verse about what Jesus did to us. As he is, so are we in this world. When was the last time we all thought, as he is, so will we be when we get to heaven? We're questioning the identity Jesus gave us. If love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, when was the last time we were nervous about judgment day? If we're nervous about judgment day, does that mean we don't understand the love of God? Are you guys here? Hello. Hello. If we're nervous instead of bold about judgment day, does that mean we don't understand God's love for us? And if God's love was demonstrated on the cross, his perfect love, does that mean if we're nervous about judgment day, we don't understand the cross? Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When was the last time we acted like we weren't crucified with Christ? 
When was the last time we acted like our old nature was still alive? Romans 6.11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When was the last time we thought of ourselves as alive to sin? If we think we're alive to sin, does that mean we're questioning the identity God gave us? If we're questioning the identity God gave us, do we have any authority to question? To speak to the identity of other people. If we think we're alive to sin, is that disobedience to the type of thinking we must have? He said you must consider yourselves dead to sin. <clears throat> so anything else could be disobedience, right? Romans 6.14, sin will have no dominion over you because you are not under law, but under grace. When was the last time we acted like sin still had dominion over us? Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. said, when we were still sinners, Sinners. Does that mean we're not anymore? Does that mean if I consider myself still a sinner, I've thrown out the cross? Rejected the cross? Refused the cross? Resisted the love of God demonstrated on the cross? If I think I'm still a sinner when he says we were... But we're not now? If I question whether I'm a sinner, am I questioning the cross? Am I questioning my identity? Am I questioning what he said about me at the new birth? This old guy from like the 1400s, he said this, he said, if you're waiting to die, to be set free from sin. You just made death your savior, not Jesus. I hope you understand why, why I'm saying all this. I'm saying all this because the church is supposed to have authority to bring heaven into the earth. A lot of the tactics that we use don't really bring heaven. They just, they just fight. They just do the same thing the enemy's doing. You know, when Jesus talked, they said, man, he's not like everyone else. He teaches like one that has authority. They said that about him. They were so surprised at how he's just spoke differently. That's for us. When we talk, people are supposed to go, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about that. There's something different about that voice. That voice has something on it not other voices have. That voice shuts the enemy's mouth and makes, makes everyone else just cheer. That voice carries something different. 
I think, I think it's time the church started carrying something different. I think it's time the church, when we talked about not questioning identity, we can do it from a place that we're not questioning ours. We try to so often, we so often try to address symptoms, not causes. We like to grow our own food. You do know, if you pick fruit, more fruit grows. If you cut the root, no fruit grows. We try to pick the fruit, pick the fruit, treat the symptom, treat the symptom, treat the symptom, just inviting it to get worse and worse. Just keep growing. I just, I just want to, you know, like I'm preaching to myself too. Talking to myself. Like Seth, it's time you, you, you make sure you're not questioning your identity. If you want to speak into other people's, you may not want to question yours. What time are we supposed to be done? I have so many more verses, we're probably not going to get to them all. <clears throat> there's, these, there's these old pastors. I love, these, I love pastors that like have these little things they do. Like, you know, they go, can someone just, who, who would give me five more minutes? Would you raise your hand? Can someone give me five more minutes? And then they're like, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Yes, okay. I love it. I love it so much. Just those good, good old-fashioned. I know. You got that. That's free. You can have that one. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. When was the last time we acted like all things aren't new in us? When was the last time we acted like we're still the same person we used to be? When was the last time we acted like the old things haven't passed away? When was the last, you know, if we, if we act like that, we're actually trying to do something to become who we already are, and we've exchanged the truth for the lie. Do something to become who you already are. Do something to kill what's already dead, what's already passed away. Well, I got to let this thing die. I got to get rid of this thing. I got to stop doing that thing. I got to quit doing that thing. No, you just got to accept that the old things have passed away. The lie. Do something to get what you already have. Do something to become who you already are. That's the lie. That's the one thing that got us all in trouble. You do realize before Satan introduced sin, he had to introduce that lie. He had to introduce religion. Doing things to get what you already have. Doing things to become who you already are. He introduces a question that has a lie inside, which introduces religion, which turns into sin. And every time we question what God has said, we're allowing religion to creep into our lives, and then we start performing for something that we don't have to perform for. The more we try to kill 
what's already passed away, the more we disagree with what God has said about us. Here you go. This is a good one. I'm not going to do them all. I'll just do a bunch of good ones. They're all good, but... Hebrews 8.12. I will be merciful to their... Own. This is the new covenant. This is what... Hebrews 8.13 says, This is the new covenant. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. When was the last time we acted as if God remembers our sins? When was the last time we thought God was reminding us about our sin and we called it conviction when really it was just the devil reminding us of something God has already forgotten? I mean, this is absolute power that the being with the best memory of anyone has the power to forget. It's a far greater power than we have. Because we remember all the old stuff. We keep track of it. We hold on to it. We treat it like it's still there. We treat it like he, he remembers it and reminds us of it and he just keeps it in front of us. No, no, the devil keeps it in front of us. If you're hearing thoughts that remind you of your sin, it's not God's voice. You're welcome. I don't know if you know this, but the devil likes to use the Bible. He uses it against Jesus. You know why he does that? He wants you to think God is the one talking to you. So you'll think you're following God when you're accidentally following the enemy. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When was the last time we cast all our anxieties on him? Not just some of them. If we still have some anxieties, does that mean we don't know we're cared for? Does that mean we're questioning his care for us? His love for us? Oh man, here's a real good one. Psalm 91.10 No evil will happen to you, nor will any plague come near your tent. When was the last time we acted like evil might happen to us? When was the last time we acted like a plague might come near our tent? Probably the last couple years. I mean, come on. What, when are we going to stop questioning this stuff? When are we going to stop partnering with the devil and questioning the truth instead of partnering with God and questioning the lies? Man, I should say that again, huh? That's good. I never said that before. When are we going to stop partnering with Satan in questioning the truth? And instead, partner with Jesus and question the lies. You know, once in a while, I really like to push a button. Sometimes you just got to go, what the hell? Just so people will recognize who they've been listening to. What the hell? Shut the hell up. 
This is good for this is good for everyone. Just shut the hell up. Don't let it talk anymore. Don't let it speak anymore. Shut the hell up. So people can go, what the heaven? So good. At least we're having fun. Romans 8, 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation is eagerly waiting with anticipation for who? The children of God to be revealed. That's us. If we haven't been revealed, what does that mean? We've been covered up. We've been hidden. We've been... It's been in the spirit realm, but not in the natural. It's not out in the open. It's not visible. When, when, when something is revealed, it doesn't mean it wasn't there. It means it was there the whole time, but now you get to see it. When something is revealed, it means it's uncovered. It's no longer hidden. It's visible. It's accessible. All of creation is going, where are you? I think you're here somewhere. I think you're around here. I just can't see you yet because something's been covering you up. All of creation is waiting for us to get uncovered. You know what covers us up? The questions that get asked to us. If we stop asking them, maybe we'd start showing up. And if we start showing up, maybe creation can go, ah, I've been waiting for you. I've been looking for you. I've been searching for you. I've been searching for someone who knows their God-given identity. Because I need to know mine too. So I asked you a whole bunch of questions just to make sure you're good. So I'll just ask a couple more. What if today was the last day we questioned what God says about our identity? What if today is the day we broke agreement with the bad questioner and made an agreement with the good questioner? What if today was the last time we questioned the identity he assigned to us at our new birth? What could happen in the earth if today is that day? We should pray. I don't know about you, but that I want to I want I want that for me. I want that wisdom to go, let me question lies with an innocent heart. I'd love to see people in school board meetings and they just ask the question and everything goes quiet. You know, sometimes we fight and yell and scream. <clears throat> you know, there's so many battles in the Bible where they don't have to fight, but they still win. They're fighting. They're just fighting differently. I'd love to see it where we, where we 
we stand in these places and we, we use a tactic they weren't expecting and everything gets, gets silenced. So we got to have everything that's talking in here go silent as well. Okay, let's pray. Would you just stand up just for a minute? Put your hands on your heart. God, we know the world is questioning like they've never questioned before. God, we know there's big problems happening in the world. We want to be people that don't just try to fix the symptoms, but we... We heal the problem. God, we want to be people with authority on our voices. We want to be people that when we talk, everyone has to listen. We want to be people that when we talk, heaven comes at greater and greater levels. We want to be able to speak into the identity of our country. We want to be able to speak into the identity of, of, of people who don't yet know you. We want to be able to speak into identity, God. So we pray today that we would stop questioning ours. We pray that today we would become wise as serpents, innocent as doves, that we'd question the right things and stop questioning you. Jesus, we break our agreement. Let's pray this. Just pray this together if you want. You don't have to. I want, you, I, I want to pray this. We break our agreement with the enemy who questions the truth. And Jesus, we agree with you to question the lie that tries to get us to earn what's already ours. That tries to get us to earn who we already are. I make that agreement with you, Lord, that I can be stable and secure in the identity you've given me. In what you've assigned to me at the new birth. In what you've called me. In what you've spoken over me. Jesus, I agree with you. And I disagree with everything else. Father, I want to speak your words to the world around me. And I want them to feel like you're talking. Jesus, I want them to hear my voice and hear yours in it. Give my voice that authority. Because as you are, so am I in this world. Thanks, Lord, for what you did to me what you did for me, and what you're going to do through me. In your name we pray. Amen. I love it. I like how you cause trouble. That's great. I'll say this. As, as the person, as one of the leaders of the church here, the questions he asked, after I got saved and I grew up in the world, and I mean, I grew up in the church, got saved, 
out of the world. And I knew the Bible, went to children, all that stuff. The questions he started to ask started actually to become my questions. And after about a year, you've heard of this if you've come to our discovery process, I wrote down three questions. Who is God? Who am I? And what is the gospel? And I realized I could not answer any of those questions. And the answers it came through about 12 years of just tears. And I used to walk up and down at night because sometimes the things I was getting told was not what I found in there. Pretty much most of the questions he asked, those were the questions. And I used to almost persecute the leaders. I'm like, but that's, that's not what it says here. Can you? And it was difficult questions about identity. Who does God actually say we are? What has he actually done? What does that actually mean? And you become free. Sometimes it's difficult because it's not what's normally being told. But you, I became free. And so, thank you. It's great. Thank you. We love you. We love each other. And we love him. Amen? Amen. See you guys. You're going to have to watch it again. Get stirred up all over again. Thank you. If anyone wants prayer, there's going to be a ministry team up here. And we'd love to pray for you guys. Good morning, Free Life Church. And happy Sunday. We are so glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you're a first time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Calling Moms of Littles. If you have little feet pattering around, or soon to be, and are looking to grow in your relationship with other moms of young children, join the Moms of Littles get together on Friday, April 29th from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. For full details and to register, visit the events page on our website. Loudon Awakening will be hosting a Bible reading marathon from April 30th to May 5th. Join other believers and friends as we read through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in 88 hours, ending on the National Day of Prayer. Follow the QR code or go online and sign up today for a reading slot. On May 1st, we are excited to share in Child Dedications, a time to present your child to the Lord for prayer and blessing in the witness of our congregation. If you and your family would like to partake in this special moment, please register online. Learn more about Free Life Church at our discovery course on Saturday, May 21st. Whether you're looking to get to know us a bit better or ready to become a member, this course is where you begin. Brunch and childcare will be provided. Please register online today. We are looking for more volunteers to join the audiovisual team. Help us broadcast our service and ensure a seamless Sunday. No previous experience is necessary. Training will be provided. For more information or to join, please email us or follow the QR code. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give towards the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. 
checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text free life to 41400 to sign up. Remember to learn about all our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.